So, Peter Taylor Billionaire has conviction, he's a contrarian, and for all of you out there who are so scared of alternative opinions, for all of you out there who are so scared of contrarian views, well, buckle up, because this one is full of contrarianism. It's lacking conventionality, and that is what I like about it. Peter Thiel is one of the most contrarian investors and businessmen out there, and he doesn't like diversification. He doesn't like investing in indexes. He doesn't like conventionality, and he thinks this is how you should invest in 2023. Now, don't get me wrong, this is by no means a full advocation of this investing strategy, but I think there are some interesting snippets and interesting insights that we should take away from the billionaire. So the first piece of advice that Peter Thiel gives investors for 2023 is to invest in companies in which have the ability to outpace the whole fund. And he mentions this is based on the notion of what he calls a power law. Peter Till states within his writings, there is an extraordinarily stark pattern in which a few radical outstrip or rivals surrounds us everywhere in the natural and social world. The most destructive earthquakes are many times more powerful than smaller earthquakes combined. The biggest city dwarf or mere towns put together and monopoly businesses capture more value than millions of undifferentiated competitors. Peter Till mentions that within investing within venture capital, the notion of the power law is seen very evidently. This is because whilst venture capitalists investors are often trying to surf the next wave, the focus should be upon which company is going to attain the most power, which company is going to generate the most value in comparison to others. A few companies, Peter says, attain exponentially greater value than all others. The point being is we don't live in a normal world. We live in a world, according to Peter Till, of a power law. We live in a world in which is surrounded by power laws. And as an investor, once you embrace this, your approach changes dramatically. The error lies, according to Peter, when investors believe that returns are going to be normally distributed. This is that bad companies will fail, mediocre ones will stay flat, and good ones will perhaps return 2x or even 4x. But in reality, this isn't the case. When one assumes this kind of bland pattern, of returns, this normal distribution, then what the logical thing to do is to assemble a diversified portfolio. Investors are basically assembling a portfolio of counterbalances in which they hope that the losses will be outpaced by the wins. And fundamentally over the long run, when you have a crazily diversified portfolio, no one really makes money. Peter states that this portfolio of mass diversification leads to no hits at all and just a range of flops. This is because venture returns and investing within companies, specifically growth companies, does not follow a normal distribution law. Rather, according to Peter, they follow a power law in which a small handful of companies will radically outperform all others. Peter states, if you focus on solely diversification in comparison to a single-minded pursuit of finding those valuable companies, then this is a method of generating very mediocre returns. Now note, this philosophy of determinism, as we'll get to momentarily, is very unconventional and goes against the conventional wisdom on Wall Street. Wall Street demands that you generate a diversified portfolio in which you're basically subconsciously signaling that one has no determinism about the future. The future is solely fate. The future is solely arbitrary kind of a luck. And there's no role in deterministic attitudes towards shaping and creating the outcome of the future. The point being, when you understand, according to Peter, the idea of the power law, then this changes your investment philosophy completely. He has two major rules, investing companies that only have the ability to outpace the whole fund. And this, by the way, eliminates a range of companies, even if these companies are fairly good off the back. And the second rule he states, and writes within zero to one specifically, 
is the fact that you cannot break the first rule. You must stick to the first rule completely. Now, it's obvious, you must have a portfolio to some scale. I don't think Peter is suggesting that you should solely hold one company, but he's stating you should assemble some sort of portfolio in which all the companies have the characteristic of the power law. In other words, they can outpace the whole fund individually. For example, at Founders Fund, Peter focuses on five to seven companies in which he believes has foundations to potentially become multi-billion dollar companies. And even if one of those succeed, that return rate far outpaces any of the losses. That is the philosophy, the very unique and contrarian philosophy of Peter. Peter mentions that when you shift the focus away from nuance, when you shift the focus away from the substance of the business and focus more instead on diversification, whether this investment philosophy fits within a diversified portfolio, then investing starts to look far more like purchasing lottery tickets in comparison to determinism. And I believe that once you've started and once you're in the mindset that life is a lottery, once you're in the mindset that life is solely the foundation of fate and there's no level of determinism at all, then psychologically you've already set yourself up to lose. I think this actually is far more philosophical than people realise. The common wisdom that you're told at school, that you're told at university, that you're told by society is to not put all your eggs in one basket. There's a danger of falling through the ever-growing cracks within our society. But in reality, that incentive to diversify is actually far further away from the truth than I think many people realise. This level of diversification is kind of a method of dabbling and betting against the uncertain future, in which you hope that the losses are going to be outpaced by some winners. There's no real conviction, it's solely a method of gambling. And for myself, on a personal note, I believe diversification is a matter of spray and pray. In other words, it's a matter of keeping the future in the hands of luck and chance and fate. In fact, I believe in any domain of life, not solely investing, that via mass levels of diversification, this is increasing the probabilities associated with the failure dramatically. And you may ask why? Well, diversification by definition, is spreading your bets very thinly across a range of domains. Therefore, you cannot logically have any real conviction upon any of these bets. Concentration, good concentration at least, stems from good conviction. Good conviction stems from good knowledge. Good sound knowledge stems from a reliable and sound method of research and investigation. Therefore, the flaw in itself is not the concentration per se, but instead the flaw is focused upon the inadequate levels of research knowledge, the issues associated with the process of research knowledge in which led you to that concentration decision in the end. The issue is not the sole act of concentration. The issue is the lack of knowledge and the lack of true research in which was done, the lack of sound research in which was done, which led one to that poorly concentrated decision. The truth is, I believe that you're a master of your future. I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in luck. I think that you are the master of your future, and the truth is you are not a lottery ticket. You can determine the outcome of your life, and this applies to investing, this applies to business, this applies to any domain. I actually would go as far as stating that determinism is foundational for the success of any high reputable individual, whether that's an investor or a business person alike. They all had a high level of determinism. And the more you understand this, the more you recognize the use of the power law and the fact that diversification is actually a matter of spray and pray, then the more you can have a deterministic attitude and you can create these highly concentrated yet convicted upon bets. So the question then is, according to Peter, what are the characteristic traits of these companies in which have the ability to outpace the whole fund? What company traits should you look for when investing in 2023? 
Peter speaks about most commonly one famous characteristic trait, which is known as monopolization. Monopolization of a niche, says Peter, can give a direction for the company when starting out and specifically aid the adoption of early usage within a platform. This is because there is less friction associated with infiltration of a small, untouched market. When it comes to starting small and monopolizing, this can be seen within the case of Facebook and PayPal. Specifically for Facebook, the company monopolized social media scenes with all major universities and colleges. As time went on, Facebook increased the level of distribution of the platform across more campuses, and eventually the company released their platform to the nations, and then on a global scale. But if Facebook did not use this monopolization market specifically, and instead targeted their product from day one to the whole globe, then it's less likely that this initial adoption of the platform would have been achieved. Therefore, the platform likely would have failed. There is a unique trait across many companies, for example, PayPal, Facebook, Palantir, in which started as monopolies, they monopolized a small niche and then eventually their product grew and they focused upon this monopolization strategy as a key tenant of capitalism in order to succeed. Famously, Peter Till stated that competition is for losers, and this is seen most evidently within the airline industry, for example, in which there are a range of undifferentiated companies who have a range of undifferentiated products whom, over the long run, make no real money at all. There is also another tent that I really like based on the philosophy of Peter Thiel, and this is focused on having a 10x better improvement upon any other competitor. Marginal improvements for a company are not sufficient, and this can be clearly computed within the technology sector. When you have a technology or a business in which is 10x better than competitors, then this makes it incredibly hard to replicate or to dismantle the large moats apparent within said business. When you look at Google, the company has managed to garner a phenomenal competitive advantage over Bing or Yahoo. In fact, Yahoo and Bing are actually incomparable to Google's products. Google clearly has a 10x better lead, and as a consumer, this is most definitely felt. With Google, the autocorrect, the search, the speed, and precision are just a few of the factors that have contributed to the competitive lead of the company. This pursuit of monopolization in conjunction with having technology in which is 10x better than any other competitor will lead one to turn down many investment decisions. But fundamentally, according to Peter, this is how you take advantage of the power law. Network effects, I would argue, are probably one of the most powerful tenants for a company. And network effects can be defined as the platform increasing within utility as more nodes join the set network. For example, when you look at Google, every search and click contributes to improvements for the whole network. As more people use Google, the improvement of the precision and accuracy increases. This leads to an unstoppable flywheel effect. And similarly, network effects can be seen within the case of incentives, specifically for social media platforms. For those that are not on Facebook, for those that are not on social media platforms, there is a perceived level of disconnectedness and outsidedness, in which is fundamental towards incentivizing one to get on the platform. That is the use of a network effect. It seems to me today that all of the leading companies take advantage of network effects, whether that's Google, whether that's Meta, whether that's Tesla, whether that's Palantir, whatever it is, all of these top companies fundamentally take advantage of network effects. This leads to almost a undisputable competitive moat. Peter later speaks about the necessity of the characteristic economies of scale. Economies of scale refers to the monopoly business becoming stronger as it gets bigger, and the fixed costs of creating a product can be spread out over greater quantities of scale. Software startups can enjoy drastic economies of scale because the marginal cost of producing another copy of the product is close to zero. A good startup fundamentally should have economies of scale built in from day one. Twitter, for example, from inception from day one, had the ability to scale to 250 million people. This is the beauty of software. This is the beauty of technology. Marginal cost associated with replication is close to zero. Therefore, economies of scale is baked in from day one. 
And Peter unconventionally also speaks about branding too being fundamental for a company. He mentions how Apple have a sleek design in which the Apple stores, the products, all have this minimalism in which replicates and subconsciously signals to the consumer that there is care, that there is luxury within these products. The attractive looks and the carefully chosen materials of the product, like the iPhone and MacBook, the Apple stores and the sleek minimalism. This gives a sense of close control over the consumer's experience. And perhaps the unconventional wisdom by Peter Thiel, which is focused on how you should invest within 2023, is mention of the inefficiencies of markets. Peter is a big advocate of the inefficiency of markets in which you can take advantage and thus create asymmetric investments. In other words, if you have nuance and specific knowledge, you can capitalize on the inefficiencies of markets, thus generating asymmetric returns. The point being, investing is more about the gut and the stomach rather than the computation of financials. One of the best kind of realizations from the past few years in which the market has been down big is the idea that the market and investing is much more about meditation in comparison to solely the computation of financials. Investing is much more about the brain in comparison to the ability of computing financials. Peter mentions that you should take advantage of these inefficiencies because when they come, this is where asymmetric rewards are gained. So let me know of this very unconventional approach. Do you adopt any of these philosophies and what do you think of Peter Thiel? Thank you, and I'll see you soon.